So this morning, we're going to start a new chapter together, but of the same book. And so we've been looking at Scripture for many weeks now. We've been looking at what the Scriptures say is true of the church and who we're supposed to be. And, And you hear in my pastoral prayer... I want to help encourage all of us to think about that, to grow in that way, to live in that way. And so this morning, we're going to begin a study in the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles by the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's so much to say, and this is an introductory talk that I hope to encourage you to take up Acts and read on your own, either as an individual or as a family. Maybe you have a small group and you're not sure what to read or study together. Maybe the book of Acts. Maybe this is the right time for that for you. But I really want to draw our attention this morning in this introduction to several key things. And the first is this. The Gospel of Luke, written by Luke, and the book of Acts, written by Luke, two volumes of one history. Don't know if you knew that, but Luke and Acts are two volumes written by the same author. But I want you to think about the Gospels and Luke's Gospel as an account of Jesus' ministry on earth. His physical presence with us. Come as a babe, lived his life, was crucified and resurrected. It's the story of Jesus' physical fleshly ministry among us on the earth. The book of Acts, which we'll begin to read in just a moment, same story, new chapter. And the title of this chapter would be, not Jesus' ministry on earth, that's chapter 1, but now, Jesus' ministry on earth from heaven. Because the risen Jesus will now, in the passage that we'll read, ascend into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty until he comes again, which our passage in a moment will tell us. And so Acts, as we begin this new chapter, this new book, and as I'm trying to encourage you to take it up and read, I want you to know this. It is the account of Jesus' continued ministry on earth, but now from heaven and through his church, through his apostles, through his people, and ultimately now through us which is why we prayed the way we prayed in just a minute. Jesus is still ministering from heaven on earth, and he does it through his church. He does it through his people. So here's the evidence of that. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Give your attention to God's word. In my former book, Theophilus, and that's the Gospel of Luke, by the way, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God the dominion of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, 
but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Let's pray that God will bless our understanding of his word. Lord, would you strengthen your church? Would you strengthen your people? Would you give us a heart? Would you give us an appetite to know your word and to be confident in it? And would you take this work of your servant Luke... And would you apply it deeply to the confidence of our hearts and our families? And we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you see the big picture, I hope, or you're beginning to see some of what I hope to do. Uh, Luke, one author, two books, the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts. And Acts is going to tell us a wonderful story many stories of a larger story of God's redemptive work in the earth. And I have four points this morning to try to introduce uh, the book of Acts and Luke's writing to us. And the points are these, that it is a book of real people. It's a book of real history. It's a book that addresses real questions. And it is a book that calls for real faith. Real faith, sincere faith. And so those are the four points I'll work through briefly with you this morning to encourage your own reading of it. So the book of Acts is a story of real people. You know, this is not the gospel that we believe, the scriptures that we hold. We do not believe these to be stories of legend, stories of myth, nice stories, fables, moral-filled stories. We believe these are stories of real people, men and women who walked the earth, who encountered the resurrected Jesus, and whose lives were profoundly changed. And just like us, they lived in a very skeptical age, a cynical age, a critical age that disbelieved and wanted to disbelieve the things that were happening around them. We live in that same culture. You know, just turn on your TV and listen. Turn on the radio and listen, and you will hear the drip of cynicism and skepticism and doubt in pretty much anything that can fill your ears. That's the culture in which we live. That's the culture in which they lived also. 
But we hear in the stories that we're going to encounter in Acts of the truth of the gospel and how it began to transform people. It began to change people just as it changes people now. So we're going to hear in the weeks ahead some of that transformation, how the Lord will work in a, in a timid and fearful man and give him a robust and bold faith. And Peter is one of those examples. You remember Peter who said, Lord, in all of his zeal, he said, Lord, I'll never deny you. And hours later, he's denying Jesus three times to a servant girl, probably a young teenager, the apostles cowering in fear. And now in the book of Acts, you're going to see the one who, who cowered in fear days earlier is now robust and bold and will stand in front of men and argue vehemently for the truth of the resurrection. And there's a reason that he can be transformed from such fear and timidity to boldness. And that's the Holy Spirit and how he changes people. And so we're going to see that these characters and individuals in Acts, if you will take up and read and consider in your own mind and in your own heart, you're going to see that they are people just like us in our timidity and our fear. But the Holy Spirit can change and transform men and women and children to his glory. You're also going to see that this early church was threatened. They were threatened and their well-being was at risk due to opposition. Worldly opposition. Secular opposition. Political opposition. And spiritual opposition. Religious opposition. They're going to get hammered from the right and hammered from the left. And the Lord is going to show that he can even work in a man like Saul, who was bringing the heat of that opposition. That same Holy Spirit can now transform an unbeliever and make him a leader in Christ's church. These are real people. These are real stories about real faith. So as you take up and read, and, and children, as you take up and read, remember the realness of this. These are real people, flesh and blood people whose lives are just like yours. And they're evidence of how God works and how He transforms. And then ultimately, you're going to see that the Lord takes this ragtag bunch of unimpressive people that He calls out of every nook and cranny of the earth and again, he commissions them. And with that Holy Spirit, he empowers them to be difference makers in the earth. Not necessarily by big splashes in the earth, but by small ripples that reach all four corners of the earth. And the Lord will call and commission them to go, to teach, to baptize, to be my witnesses, Jesus says. And so that is the job description again of the church that we considered last week. And you're going to see, this is, we're reading in Acts, the first generation given that call and what it looks like and how devoted they were to it. And it should look the same for us. We should be equally devoted, equally passionate, equally supportive because this is Jesus' ministry on earth from heaven through his people. And that is what Acts tells us, a story of real people. 
And because it's real people, it's my second point, it's real history. That is what this was written for. It was written as history to be passed on that we might know the history of our people, our people of faith, our Lord and His church. And so as you take up and read, read it as history. Take Luke on his own terms and in his own words. Consider whether or not you think he's telling you history or fable or legend or myth. But you'll find that his words and acts are just like his words in the Gospel of Luke. Revisit those words in Luke with me for just a minute. Luke chapter... We're going to go a little bit. You know, I haven't even read the text yet, have I? I never even read the text. Let's read the text. No, we did read the text. We did, we did. Okay, Luke chapter 4. Scroll with me, scroll with me, scroll with me, scroll with me, scroll with me. Keep going, keep going. There's the first point. Keep one more. There it is. We were good. All right, Luke chapter 1, verse 1, 4. You tell me, is Luke's gospel, in his introduction here, is he telling us history or not? Well, this is, these are his words. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the very first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Do you hear the strength of what he's saying? I have studied this carefully. I have taken these accounts and I have put an orderly account down on paper with precision and much caution so that you may know the truths of what we believe. Luke fully intends to be taken historically. And the book of Acts is the same. Acts chapter 1 began, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Luke is a historian. But you know what he also is? He was a doctor. He was a medical doctor. Luke, for those who like structure, is a man of structure. Man of, of discipline, a man of precision. He's what you want your physician to be. He's very careful. He's very precise. He's very orderly. He can be trusted with details. He is a detail kind of guy. Pretty sure Luke made up his bed every morning. He was that kind of disciplined, structured person. He seems to have been thorough in everything that he did, at least according to, to the history and his writing that we have. So that's the person of Luke and what he offers us. He is giving us history. And as you get into Luke, you're going to see that this history, it really is readable. It's readable. It's all these historical accounts and storytelling of real people and real history. You're going to see that he is very careful, that he is very precise to give us that historical account from eyewitnesses under careful investigation in an orderly fashion. That is the man of Luke. 
And as you read his words in Acts, you're going to feel like you get to know how he operates, how he feels, how he thinks. You're going to feel that caution and that precision. Now, I have a long quote from one of my commentators that helps capture the sense of Luke in the book of Acts. I do not want to bore you with this quote, so give me some strength and some energy, and I have a quote for you. But listen to what Rob Rayburn says in trying to summarize how Luke was used to do this profound work. He says this, Luke accompanied Paul to Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey. The journey that ended with Paul's arrest and eventual imprisonment for two years in Caesarea. Those are the accounts in Acts 21 to 26. Luke accompanied Paul to Rome where he awaited trial before the emperor. Acts chapter 28. Now listen, in all probability, Luke spent those two years in Palestine awaiting the conclusion to Paul's legal proceedings. Then, as now, court cases dragged on for years. And while Paul was under arrest, Luke was free. Luke was free to work. Luke was free to conduct interviews and to have conversations with many eyewitness accounts. Luke was free to write. Luke was free to accumulate historical testimonies from reliable witnesses into an orderly account. Witnesses like Peter, James, Philip, and John Mark, and perhaps even from an aged Mary, the mother of Jesus. You remember it's in Luke chapter 2 that Luke writes this little comment about Mary. That Mary treasured all these things in her heart. She pondered all these things. Mary is ruminating on all the stories of everything she's seen from her son Jesus. She's the perfect eyewitness. She's likely one of Luke's witnesses and eyewitnesses that we get to read his accounts and his history from. It's really beautiful. It's really amazing. But you pursue that on your own. You take up and read. You look for yourself and see if this is credible, reasonable to believe, reasonable to put your faith in. Luke's account in Acts is also purposeful. It, he says, is to establish the certainty of our faith. It is of Jesus' earthly ministry, and it is now of Jesus' heavenly ministry. And he says, both at the beginning of Luke and in Acts, that he is giving us many convincing proofs. Many convincing proofs. Story after story after story are given to you as the church that you might be convinced of your faith. Living in a skeptical age, living in a time of uncertainty, that you just need something to hold on to. Luke the physician, Luke the doctor, Luke the man of structure and detail, God has used him to put all this together to offer it to you for the good of your faith. That as you're getting beat up in a culture of unbelief, you've got the scriptures to hold to. And as you read the book of Acts, I trust you'll see over and over again that it is worthy of bringing your real questions to, your hard questions, 
the world's questions. You know, we're not afraid of hard questions. Sometimes the answer is, we don't know, but by faith, we believe. But Luke gives us many convincing proofs and much history of accounts that need to be taken seriously. So as you read, this is my third point, I encourage you to bring your questions to Luke and ask your hard questions. Is Acts reliable? Is it trustworthy? Is it faithful history? And then if it is reliable, then what do these truths we're reading, what do they demand that we do? What are the results, the ramifications? If this is true, what do they mean for us and for our world? And if they are true, then how does a worldview change? How does, how does a person's perception of the world and what's true, how does that change? Does it happen easily? Does it happen slowly? Can it happen suddenly and dramatically? You're going to see an example of all those in Acts. Some people's worldview changes slowly, other people suddenly when the Holy Spirit's involved. It's a beautiful account, and all of that is going to press on each of us to say this. Have you encountered the gospel truth in the way these people are in the account of Acts? Has it struck you with profound worldview-changing influence? Or has it just kind of been moderately important? It's been neat. Neat stories here. Really good stories. I like the stories. Or has it changed you? Has it changed your family? Has it changed your trajectory as a person? These are the questions that Luke is going to press on us, that if we're reading, if what we're reading is true, if this is God at work and how he works, it changes everything about our view of ourselves and the world in which we live. It has to, unless you think it's only moderately important. More on that in a moment. Lastly, it's this. It is a book that calls for real faith, true faith. It is a, a book of stories of how that faith works in this world, how God is at work, how he changes people. And I want to say to you, bring your questions, bring your doubts, uh, just give your attention and your time to what Luke is saying and to how the Holy Spirit works. There's a story from the 1700s about two men who were willing to take up the scriptures with that kind of seriousness. It's the story of Lord Littleton and the English poet Gilbert West. You may have heard this. Perhaps you've heard this. Lord Littleton and Gilbert West were friends. They were both academicians, men of good scholarly capability. But they didn't believe the scriptures were true. They thought they were legends thought they were myths, and they were really kind of irritated by the simple Christian faith around them, that, that unsophisticated people would believe such legends and myths. And so these two friends, these two men came together and said this, I'll tell you what, Lord Littleton, I think it was, said, you take up the scriptures and read and write, and you disprove Saul's conversion to the Christian faith because they believed that everything in the New Testament hung on Saul's 
conversion. And I think it was Gilbert West who did the opposite. I may have gotten these backwards. And he said, okay, then I'll take up the resurrection of Jesus, which is so central to the gospel and to the scriptures. And so they made a pact. They made a deal. Let's go each individually study the scriptures and disprove Saul's conversion, the resurrection of Jesus. Somewhere about a year later, they came back and they considered their study that they had done independently, separate from one another. And one man kind of sheepishly said to the other, well, I've been doing my study, but I'm coming to a different conclusion. Everything I'm seeing tells me that Saul's conversion was real. He was a real man. He had a real life, a real history, and the accounts are all consistent. Something transformed him. Something changed him. That he was going full speed in one direction, he changed and went in the other, and I'm, uh, I'm kind of coming down in a different place, so you may not want to write that book with me. And the other man kind of grinned back and said, well, I've been considering the resurrection of Jesus, and I'm coming to the same conclusion as you. Everything I'm seeing and reading and understanding is striking me as true. These men went on to write their books, but of different titles. One wrote of the convincing proof of Saul's conversion to the Christian faith. The other wrote of the convincing proof of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And so my call to you, to your household, to your friends and neighbors within your reach, is just to take up the scriptures and read. Take them up and read them as history. Bring your questions to the scriptures. Bring your questions to one another. Bring them to the church. Wrestle through this. But don't just listen to a skeptical and unbelieving culture. Look for yourself. You remember I told you the story of Etta Linneman a few weeks ago. She was the German higher critical scholar who just disbelieved in the resurrection because her professor told her to until she began to hear the scriptures preached and she began to read on her own. And in a sense, she kind of leaned in herself and looked into the tomb and came back with a different conclusion as a believer in Jesus Christ. And though she had written volumes of books trying to disprove the resurrection and the supernatural accounts in the New Testament, her conclusion was, burn my books. I don't believe anything I thought I believed. I believe Jesus was a real man, a real person, in real history, in real faith, who really rose from the dead. And that's my challenge of us as a church family, to take up and read, to take this seriously. As you look across the landscape of the American church, we got some great songs, we got some fun activities, we got some great buildings, but we need to be a people who take up and read and know from the primary source what we believe to be true. Not just because somebody said it was true, but we have leaned in, looked for ourselves, and found that the tomb is empty, Jesus has ascended, His ministry is now from heaven on earth through his church, and people are still being transformed and changed and called to him. And we're going to talk more and more about these stories as we see more and more of how God works.
I'll close with a quote from C.S. Lewis. It sums up much of what we've said this morning. C.S. Lewis said this, Christianity, if false... Oh my, hold on. That's a pretty dramatic way to get your attention. So I'm going to close with a quote from C.S. Lewis that says this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if it's true... It is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. You see what he's saying? Look, if it's true, it's of all importance. Nothing matters more. If it's not true, forget it. It's not worth your time. But there's nothing about the Christian faith that can be moderately important. It is either true or it's not true. As Joshua chapter 24 says, Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord because we've leaned in and looked in and we believe it to be true. Let's pray that that would be true of all of us as a church family. Lord, would you give us the discipline to take up and read, to think, to do the hard work of thinking, to consider in the very way that Luke calls us to, to examine these many convincing proofs from many eyewitnesses over the course of many years. Lord, would you do this in us that we might have an enlarged view of the church, of the Holy Spirit, of your use of your word, and would you then take those many convincing proofs and would you transform us, deepening our faith, changing our character, making us to be salt and light in the world in which we live. And we ask this and pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen.